This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. It's 9:37 a.m. I am Ibrahim Sani, Kusuchuang and Julian Ng with me every Wednesday at this time we have the SNM show where we examine stocks and markets of Malaysia and beyond. So there you go. So Chuang, yes. what do we have today? Okay, so now um okay. I think every still self-respecting stock market investor should have a series of avenues in which to locate and identify interesting stocks to go and research and to spend more time examining, right? So when I came across Bursa Marketplace, bursamarketplace.com is actually a very, very good product um, built by Bursa Malaysia. And one of the more interesting functions within bursamarketplace.com is this tab where you can click on it and it shows you the five biggest potential gainers, right? So I clicked through and I found out that this is five companies and, they, they, you know, I, th- I think there's some kind of algorithm or something which uh, identifies five companies which have the biggest potential gain, but it's based on potential target price by analysts, okay? Ah, there you go. That's the yeah. key, right? So uh, that I knew that would get Julian <laughs> up and going because there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of ways to get ideas, right? Whether it's from algorithms or whether it's from your friends or you know da da, right? So least of all from your friends, actually. Yeah, least <laughs> of all from your friends, especially Julian Ng and Ibrahim Sani, right? I'm glad to not take you guys as my friends, so I can actually you know hear, hear your advice. <laughs> so Bursa Marketplace, and I'm I'm not sure whether this is a good thing or bad thing, but they've given us these five names, five names, right? So Sol, PUC founder, uh, Multi Sports Holdings, Hibiscus, and Diamond Development. And of these five names, only two or three of them are even worth looking at, right? And before we get into each specific stock's um, uh, merits or demerits, I um, just want to check with you, how, how do you guys get your stock inv- ideas from? What's your pipeline? I like? mean, before we even go into that, I want to actually go back to this algorithm thing, right? Which is really uh, very simple. It's not, not really a complicated rocket science algorithm, but it's based on a comparison of current price now compared with what the analyst has uh, forecasted as target price. So uh, the fact that this is the case, that they're doing this, opens it up to uh, a lot of... Um, um, uh, caveats, right? Uh, you got to be really, really careful when you look at this thing that says, uh, for instance, PUC has a 1,233% potential gains. I know, right? Just because an analyst thinks uh, the, the, the price, the target price of uh, uh, PUC should be there. So uh, I, I think that in order to trust this more, we have to do uh, uh, some kind of uh, research or backtesting as to how right or wrong analyst uh, prediction usually are. And uh, I can tell you that uh, the, the jury at, at, at best is still out there. At, at, at worst, it shows you that analysts have no ability <laughs> in, predicting, in predicting the future of uh, either C- markets correct. or stock prices. Hang on. Hang on. I, I on average. Not I, may, maybe they do well on a single stock or uh, on a stock that they love the covering, but on average, their performance is uh, not fantastic. I've just, I've just <laughs> okay, enough with the whip, okay? I've just, <laughs> I've just found something out which is, which is even more ludicrous, right? Because a couple of minutes ago, in fact, about half an hour ago, Julian was saying that BIMB Securities Research um, is kind of like a commoditized product, right? right? They're giving it away for free. I found the analyst, which is, which is ostensibly given the one ringgit 80 share price target for PUC founder. At, at a time when PUC is trading at about 14 cents a share, yielding that 1,400% gain. Mm. Well, in fact, I've got the report open in front of me. 
and actually the target price is not 180 it's 18 cents ah, it's okay. 18 cents so, so that's <laughs> the boffins or rather the non-boffins that have been doing this marketplace bursa marketplace for the five potential gainers it's an actually a data entry error in accounting so, circles it's called a transposition error where one decimal point changes a lot of things or yeah. the answer Deutsche Bank is actually the fat finger complex <laughs> yes. right yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but of course this this was, uh, comes back to the notion because I did have a chat with Sherrod on air this morning around 6 o'clock you know he said like uh, you know what is the point of going into the stock markets is it to invest in a company or to get rich quick because both of you both of the that particular objective would set a different type of way of doing things thinking about things because i mean i'm i guess he's right because if i want to get rich quick i would go to bruce marketplace for instance see this 1233 percent potential gain and bet on it straight up and we burn because some fat finger somewhere out there has actually keyed in the wrong number it's actually not it's not 180 it's 18 cents target price so it's a 56% upside, not 1,400% upside, right? So yeah. for, for someone like Sherrod Kutun, who is, you know, Sherrod Kutun and stock market, it's like oil and water, right? They don't really go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's insulting. No, sorry, I, I, I love Sherrod, he's a good fan. Uh, but it's true, right? He, he, he don't know stock market from Adam. Like, yeah, you know? I mean, that's and, true. But that's, he, that's exactly why he relies very heavily on analysts' report and so on. And, and I think that's... that's, that's he well, he shouldn't. No, he right? shouldn't. No, he yeah, shouldn't. he needs to look at something or somewhere. He, sh- he shouldn't. He should just buy an ETF. <laughs> yeah. He shouldn't. That's the last thing you should do. <laughs> no, just uh, well, can, well, can well going, back to, uh, going back to going back to the fact that uh, this uh, thousand percentage point, uh, and and going back to your question of whether the stock market is a get ri- uh, get rich quick scheme. Uh, actually, it's not. It's a get poor quick uh, scheme. If you if you think that a stock market will give you uh, the quick buck, uh, then uh, you're very wrong. I think the place to do that is probably the lottery because your losses are limited to like a ringgit or something, and you stand to gain a few hundred million out of the lottery, right? So it's, you're better off spending your money in the lottery if you wanted to get rich quick. Yeah, unfortunately, there's so many sharks out there. But okay, out of the five stocks, we, we talked about the first one, which is PUC Founder, right? So that's PUC Founder done. The second stock on the Bursa Marketplace's list is a company called Multi Sports Holdings Limited, right? And of course, the potential upside there is humongous. It's an M chip. 433% potential gain. Uh, current price at that time, the formulated was 9 cents per share. Target price 48% per share. But here's the thing Multi Sports is one of something like 13. China, China-based companies that are listed in Bursa Malaysia, all of them, bar none, trading at low single-digit PEs, something like two or three times earnings. Um, nobody wants to touch these companies with a ten-yard pole. Now, if a naive investor, uh, uh, let's say if Sherrod Kutun had come onto this tab, and he had bought into both PUC and Multi Sports, he would have lost his savings, and that's the problem, you see. Yeah. Because okay, let's just explain why Multi Sports is one of a number of Chinese companies that don't get bought by. Uh, savvy investors, right? Why do they list in Malaysia? Is the first question, right? Uh, why, exactly. why are why are some of these uh, like handful of Chinese stocks l- uh, listing in Malaysia when they could have list in China, where they would get much better valuations? What are they doing? Okay, here I want to hear your theory, Jules. What's the reason? I don't know. I I, I guess urban legends would have it that um, uh, we have made it easier for them to list here. Yeah, <laughs> urban <laughs> legends. <laughs> Okay, the other thing about multi-sports is I think is this is one of those companies which is which has reported something like 200 million ringgit cash on the balance sheet, right? right. But then when you look at the investment income, it yields something like 0.35% a yeah, year. I mean, what... pittance, actually, yeah. Yeah. What CFO or finance director in his right mind would allow that kind of return on his cash balance if there wasn't something that, you know, urban legend might say that 
might not be there in the first place. I mean, know? okay, so if you're if you're in China, corporate governance uh, is a thing that you have to worry about. What if you're a Chinese stock outside of China? In a small country like Malaysia, you got to worry ten times more. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's a, a something that uh, multi sports holdings folks must uh, ponder. I think the bottom line remains: where do we go to get ideas on how to pick these stocks? Well, the, on the evidence of Raj, what we've just been discussing on the Bursa Marketplace, or Bursa Marketplace is not the place to go to because obviously so far in the first two stocks has been erroneous. I just want to correct myself as well. Um, you know, multi sports holdings does not have two hundred plus million ringgit on its balance sheet. Actually, according to the books, it's five hundred and ninety-two million. Oh okay. boy, five hundred more. They have more. They've got more. They've got okay. more. What are they doing with their money? Going to a, for a rights issue as well. <laughs> exactly. Is it this one or <laughs> if you got this much money in the balance? Why are you going to dodgy cash call? Yeah. Really dodgy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the second stock, uh, the third stock, is actually a company called Sasol. Okay. And Sasol, according to Bursa Marketplace, has got a 422% upside from uh, current levels, roughly give or take a couple percentage points, based on where the share price is right now. And of course, Sasol is an is an industrial chemicals player, right? But when I look at them, when I look at their earnings over the last few years, they've been loss making so far this year, last year, year before that, year before that, year before that. In fact, they've been loss making every year since 2008. Okay, so is it wise, prudent, and appropriate for Bursa Marketplace to be uh, recommending investors buy into a stock which has been loss making for the last seven years? You know, when you look at a comparable, like say Luxchem, Luxchem is a fantastic company. It's uh, doing really well from an earnings perspective, but not so Seoul. Yeah, so Seoul has uh, had a flat earnings for the past how many years? Seven years, you're right. Uh, but the highest earnings that they've recorded for the past seven years is in 2008, about 40 million ringgit. I think this is a big problem with uh, you know measuring these kind of financial statements. Do you measure it at revenue? Do you measure it at EPS? Do you measure it at uh, you know uh, the the net debt uh, levels or net debt ratio? I think this is a big problem to to determine. But a person that is not savvy in financials, particularly yeah, looking at precisely. financial results how you you have to rely on an expert opinion outside and i think this is where expert opinion yeah okay. well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is this is you know because the common the the opposite factor of this or expert so-called expert opinion is the regular guy the man on the street let's kind just of use view. sherrod's name okay let's just say if sherrod was the one sorry, sorry. <laughs> no he's not yeah anyway so let uh, assuming you are sherrod yeah uh, which is a very and tall order to, you know you want to get try and diversify your savings right you know to to quite a ring it and sense thing you want to diversify your 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 options, right? And you go to an analyst recommendation because that's the first port of call. I mean, sometimes it's not the first. It is the first port of call. Yeah, really, but it is. It sh- sh- Julian, should it? Um, yeah, I th- I think if you have that kind of interest, if you ha- actually have an interest to sit down and analyze stock and to put them into a portfolio, then yes, of course, uh, analyst reports are very useful. But uh, do data make money for you? I, I think the answer is no. You, uh, if, if that were the case, people will just be looking at data and they would be making tons of money. Analysts uh, don't have to actually be out there. You know, analysts and fund managers and brokers make more money from their salaries and bonuses than from their investments, right? So um, you actually cannot make money from data. You, you can't look at a bunch of data and, and start making money. There has to be uh, uh, some investing principles that you adopt. For, ex- for example, you've got to fill your portfolio with uh, more stocks rather than less stocks and that would uh, that that is a, a more um, macro, uh, t- uh, top-down way to protect not only protect your earnings but maybe allow you to b- make more money. 
I think in the end of the day, uh, you know, stock markets uh, is a very uh, financial savvy kind of institution. If you are not familiar with it, I think best walk away. I think Warren Buffett once said that he only invests in companies that he is familiar with. Uh, he understands where the revenue uh, is, the revenue structure, without which he doesn't want to actually entertain that idea of investing this, these type of businesses where he doesn't understand. See, Warren Buffett actually teaches us a very good lesson in the sense that Warren Buffett has a billion bucks to lose. If he invests in a stock and he loses a billion bucks it's nothing to but him but when right? he started out he did not have the money to lose so right? so here's the thing right if you you got to invest in such a way where if you lost entire your, all your money in that one stock it does not make a dent to your portfolio and how do you do that right you you got to how many people are there like that Jules? i mean realistically speaking like what you know, to to be able to lose all your money in one one sitting, right? How, very you can do people. it. I, I mean, you can do it in such a way that uh, where you limit your exposure to one stock. Don't okay. don't over invest in one stock, yeah. and therefore uh, all these principles of diversification. I mean, th these are t tried and tested. Uh, tactics that you can use to uh, design your portfolio. Now, okay, so I'm going to bring in a very interesting perspective here because there was a video on Business Insider that I watched. It was about two, three minutes video. They were interviewing this poker champion, right? Poker, poker championship uh, kind of champion, 2012. And they were, she, they were asking her, it's a her, by the way. They were asking her, what was your strategy in winning the poker championship? She said that she has capped the amount of money that she, has, she is ready and willing to lose. And she uses this money where she's ready to, to lose in... in uh, as as a tool to get information from the table the chips that she's willing to put on the table are the chips that she uses to actually entice the information that she wants to get from the other, from the other players so the moment you use these chips as tools to in of information to get information from the players that's where the real uh, you know game begins I think we can have another whole episode of, of, as to how uh, similar the game of poker <laughs> is to the stock market investing but the other thing that I want to uh, dispel is the fact that a lot of us think that Malaysia is best right so so uh, when we look for stocks to invest, the first thing we do is like, okay, what, what Malaysian stocks are there to invest in? So let, let's look at the Malaysian returns in the stock market over the last five years, annualized returns. That means okay. average returns per annum. KLCI, FBM KLCI, 2.3% per annum over the last five years. Okay. S&P 500, 13.2% per annum over that the last 12, five 12 years. 12.2%. Sorry, 12.2. Thank you. Uh, Shanghai Composite, uh, because of the recent gains, sharp gains, Returning 3.7% per annum. That's double of, uh, almost double of uh, KLCI returns. Now, compounded over the long term, these little percentage points in returns uh, does make a lot of difference uh, to your portfolio, right? I'm not yeah. sure whether that's all that fundamentally correct because when you look at US corporate earnings the last few couple, in fact, the last few cu couple years, um, corporate earnings have been bolstered not by fundamental changes in the operations. It's been bolstered by share buybacks and uh, M&A, which is basically bolstered earnings from other companies, right? But there's nothing operational about those earnings by and large. So You're, you're using you're hindsight to explain it, right? But what do you do from today going forward? How do you know which markets would outperform and which wouldn't? You, you don't know. So the notion of, of thinking Malaysia is best is a dangerous notion. You've you got to expand outwards because uh, most of the corporate governance companies, most of the innovation is out there, is outside of Malaysia. And you might just want to have some stocks in Malaysia, but you, you can't restrict yourself to can, what's can in I Malaysia. Just, uh, can I just add just basically Kun Yuyin's advice, right? Yes. Kun Yuyin is this investor guy who lives in Ipoh. He founded IGM, right? Brilliant, yeah. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. He's a something L or whatever it is, right? Yeah. He's a lot of money. 
Mm-hmm. His his number one rule is that he only buys into companies which he thinks has a good profit growth potential that will make more money next year than this year and the money and more money the year after that from next year. Okay. If the company stops making more money on a on a future basis, he stops buying stock. Yeah, but okay. the idea here is how did he get that information to make that decision? I think the central correct. idea is so that sourcing for that information correct. that's a problem. But if you know the theme, that and th- I guess that's why people study markets and and you know over 30, 40, 50, some of the best investors in the world are in their eighties, right? Charlie Munger, people like um people like Warren Buffett, people like Stan Druckenmiller. You know they understand that they've been around the block many times. They're very long term. Yeah, they're very they're very, very long term. Yeah. Uh, the other the other thing is also um, the differences between big caps and small cap stocks, right? If you're just looking for outperformance, then over the longer term, the um, mid cap stocks and the smaller cap stocks uh, do outperform uh, uh, the the market the as index, a whole. Yeah. Right. Uh, recently, we know that because of the ringgit troubles and the oil uh, turbulence, uh, the FBN KLCI has not done very well. But uh, since the low in August, it has had a very sharp rebound. All right, FBN KLCI rebounded about eight. 0.8%, almost 9%. But uh, small cap stocks and uh, mid cap stocks, you're talking about between 16% and 20% rebound from the low. So uh, to give that extra zing or zest to your portfolio, perhaps uh, small, yeah. small caps and mid caps are places to look at. So I mean, we talked about FGV earlier. It's gone yeah. from 140 something to yeah. about one, nearly two bucks, right? So is, right. is FGV a small cap? Sorry. No, I'm, hey, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> That's below the belt, But you're right. The market has disciplined FGV quite considerably yeah. from foreign it plus to now one dollar plus wondering it plus right but the idea here is that uh, you know you have a good knowledge about these big cap stocks we talk about fgv every day but how many times do we talk about these small cap stocks you know these all these uh, manufacturers these these kind of brick well, and mortar kind of, of companies weeks ago we spoke about srmx right for example or you know compared to say a dg for example right Um, you know, uh, even you know, Luxcam mentioned earlier versus yeah. Sasol, right? Yeah. Um, Luxcam is a tiny company, right? One hundred million US dollars market cap, but they've done really well as well. You know, things like that, right? So, and that you have it, uh, Kusu Chuang, Julian Eng, and myself, Ibrahim Sani, on the SNM show. This is this was a fantastic to- uh, talk set, actually. I'm thinking about it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.